Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello and welcome to the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. My name is Bex and I have loads of cool authors here in today's show. I've got Julian Clary, I've got John Foley, Ben Miller and Tom Fletcher. But before all of that, I've got a big old book question for you. Today's question is this. How many words are there in the Gruffalo? Now, this is normally multiple choice, but this week it's not. You have to have a little think about it. How many words are there in the Gruffalo? And no cheating. Don't go and find your copy of the Gruffalo and count them up during the podcast. I will know. So first up, let's go and have a little chat with Julian Clary. So hello, Julian Clary. Welcome to Fun Kids. Thank you, Bex. How are you? I am grand. Thank you so much for coming back. And you've brought with us a brand new book in the Bolds series. Uh, This is the Christmas Cracker. This is a bit different to what you've usually offered us with the series. Yes, it's different in that it is a Christmas sort of, you know, Christmas can go on a bit and you can get a bit bored yeah and so this has got puzzles and games and jokes and the, and this is packed actually and i think a child given this book will be no trouble they'll just sit quietly and amuse themselves are you pitching this to mums and dads more than kids then if they're listening <laughs> mark my words the bold's christmas cracker is what you want well, I would have loved this book as a kid because it is full of puzzles and riddles and games and jokes and also things like you can mess up the book if you want to. You can write in it and ruin it a little bit. Yes, and you can laugh. I like the sound of children laughing. No, it is a lovely book to read because it's just fun and you can get involved and you can feel like you're part of the Bold's gang. Get involved. And it, there's some there's some of the sort of quiz things test your knowledge of the Bold's So because there's about five uh, Bold's Adventures books out now. So they they kind of you know test your knowledge of what... Um, Minnie's dog's name is and so on. So if you get all those right, then you'll feel very clever. Oh, well, we'll come back to the quiz later on. Don't you worry about oh, that. OK, we'll, you can we'll quiz me. Well, that's the plan. I'm going to give you a little Christmas quiz later. But I know we have a lot of listeners who do love the Bold series and it's it's a big uh, book series for a lot of our listeners. So um, you've had quite a lot of adventures so far. You've, they've been on holiday. Yes. They've been in, in, rescue, in rescuing people. They've been in trouble. What's been, what's been your favourite bit to write? Well, my favourite Bold's book is always the current one. Good and I'm writing the sixth one. I was writing it this morning, actually. And this is where the Bold's get involved with climate change and going green and trying to change the world. So there's a, a visit to the House of Commons. That's my favourite one. I like them all because they're like, the Bold's books are like my children. You yeah, know, I, but... I can't pick a favourite. That wouldn't be right. It is a really exciting series to read, though. Do you do you have, like, in your head a Harry Potter kind of thing of, like, I've got books and books and books for days that I can just plan out? Or do you think there's a certain set number in your head? Oh, well, I keep thinking, oh, well, this will be enough. Surely six is enough. But then I can't imagine my life without the bolds. I like writing them because when you write for children, you become a child again, even at my age. So I, I would miss that. I've, now I've got endless bold stories swirling around. And do you have a favourite character to write? Well, Bobby Bold is the most like me as a child. Well, the Bold's family are like the Clary family, I think. (laughs) This is what happens when you write a book. You just sort of recreate your own 
life. Um, so I, I came from a very silly family. We lived in Teddington in a house much like the Bolds, mm-hmm. and we laughed all the time. Uh, so the Bolds are like the Clarys, and I'm like Bobby Bold. And is it fun to read these books at schools and at book events? Because the, just the concept of a family of hyenas pretending to be humans is just really fun. You must have so much fun reading it out loud as well. Well, I've been a comedian for a long time, so I've been making adults laugh, which is great. But making children laugh is almost more of a thrill. Children don't care whether it, who you are, if you've been on television or not. But oh, if, sure. If you're at a book event or in a school and you can make a room full of children laugh, it's, um, it's a very joyful thing. Do you think it's harder to make kids laugh? Well, they don't pretend, you know, sometimes adults might humour you. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes they might heckle you. But no, it, children are very genuine. And I also like doing a Q&A with children because they have very original minds and they ask questions that you could never dream up. Yeah, we've met a few kids now, Fun Kids Travels, and they are ruthless. They will tell you exactly what they think of you. And it is petrifying. And we do th- things with with David Roberts, who is the illustrator. Oh, the lovely illustrator, yeah, of course. So we ask them for suggestions that like we were creating one of Mrs. Bold's hats. And uh, what would you like this hat to be made of? And one little girl said, the sea. <laughs> so- So David had to then draw the sea and make a hat out of the sea, which, of course, is impossible. But in a book, anything can happen. In a drawing, anything is possible. That kid is like the new Salvador Dali, just this most abstract kind of ideas. Yes. Brilliant. I love it. Uh, Well, speaking of questions, I've got some a little quiz for you. It's kind of half Christmas, half animals. Is there a prize if I get it right? The prize is my respect. Your respect and the exit. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's like an escape room game. Okay. If you do this, even if you don't pass it to me, if you just do it, you get out. It's a pretty low bar, let's face it. Uh, So first question. Is it true or false that giraffes have four stomachs? <gasps> um, cows have about five, don't they? They do, but I'm talking giraffes. I've never looked inside a giraffe. What have we been doing? Although it's never too late. I'm going to say it's true. It is true. It is Correct. true. Correct, it is true. Yes, it is. Um, okay, next up, true or false? Iceland have 13 variations of Father Christmas, including ones called spoon liquor and door sniffer. True or false? Hang on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You a heard. Spoon you heard. Liquor. Yeah. You heard all of that. Yeah. So, thirteen variations of Father Christmas in in uh, Iceland, and they have lots of different names, and and they are two of the names of the. Christmas. Would you have made that up? You wouldn't have make up a, a well, spoon liquor. What do you think? Uh, do I look like somebody who'd I'm make look, up a spoon? Liquor? Looking into your eyes to mm. see if you're being. It's yeah. true. It is true. Yeah. There you are. I knew it. The good people of Iceland have lots of fun around Christmas. Um, okay. What was Rudolph the Reindeer's original name? What was he originally going to be called? Was it Reginald, Robin or Richard? Robin. No, it was Reginald. Reginald. I didn't think you'd go for the first one. Yeah, but she doesn't scan as well. Reginald the Reindeer just doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue, I would say. But there yes. we go. Okay, uh, next question. In which country do people travel to church on Christmas Eve by rollerblading? Is it Norway, Venezuela or Ireland? It won't be Ireland. I kind of want it to be Ireland, but... Mm. I'm going to say Norway. Venezuela. It's Venezuela. <laughs> oh, I know where I'm going for my holidays. I know. Can you imagine? What a lovely way to spend Christmas Eve, just rollerblading around. Although I would probably fall over immediately. And finally, uh, this is a Christmas cracker joke. I just wondered whether you would get it yes. or whether you'd get the answer. Um, what did the dog get for Christmas? Um, it's something to do with a bone. It is. You're so close. It's something bone. I've, I read this earlier. Yeah. 
You have to tell me. It's a mobile bone. Mobile bone. Mobile there bone. You are. Yeah. I'll give you that. You got half a point there. Thank you very much. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you pass my Christmas quiz. Thank you. Um, and I'm also because of that gonna let you uh, leave the studio. Oh, that was that was the ultimate prize. Days. <laughs> You're welcome. So we should say to everybody that the bold Christmas cracker is out right now. They need to go and buy it. It is. Um, it's not compulsory, but um, it's a jolly good read. And uh, the bold Christmas cracker um, comes with my hearty recommendation. As it should do. Can you imagine if it didn't? That'd be weird, wouldn't it? It would be weird. It'd be a bit odd. It'd be wrong. And um, the rest of the bold books are out as well, and we should look forward to a new one very soon. And the only reason I want to rush home is to write the sixth one for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Julian. That was awesome. Thank you. Yes. Great stuff. Thank you to Julian Clary. Next up, it's time to welcome our book expert, Imogen. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Excellent. You know why? Why? Because it's nearly Christmas. It's nearly Christmas, yes. And I have three Christmassy choices Thank for you. Thank goodness for that. I was a bit worried. What do you have for us? I have How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Ah, the classic. By Dr. Seuss. Now, if you don't know the story of the Grinch, A, where have you been? Uh, B, where have you been? <laughs> um, this is the story of the Grinch, who is a creature, green creature man, uh, and he lives in Whoville, uh, we're amongst the Who's who live in Whoville. Now, the Grinch is a cranky, scowly man, green man, yeah, kind man of creature, kind of yeah, creature, yeah, yeah. who lives in a looming uh, mountain in, the, in a cave in the side of the mountain, and he lives with his dog, also Max. And he hates Christmas. He doesn't like Christmas. Mm-hmm. He wants to ruin Christmas. And he ends up stealing Christmas. Now, this is not a spoiler. It's in the title of the book. True. Um, but to find out how he steals Christmas and what happens in the end, is Christmas returned? Does he give it back? Do people find out? You will have to read the book. But it is true Christmas classic. There's two wonderful films. Yes, there are, yeah. Uh, so once you've read the book, I would highly recommend both films if you haven't seen them already. Um, you can just have a huge Christmas Grinchathon. <laughs> I love it because it's not really a word, but I will now accept it as a proper word, a Grinchathon. Uh, excellent. What is next in your Christmas recommendation? The next one is, isn't quite a book, although it is in a book. It is a old poem called a visit from St Nicholas, which oh. is more commonly known as the night before Christmas or Twas the Twas night, night before, before Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, of course. Now, a lot of people will know this poem. Um, it was first published back in the days of 1823. It's quite the old. Oh, yeah, poem. it's really old. Nearly 200 years old. Yeah, wow. um, by a man called Clement Moore. And it is about. Uh, the night before Christmas. Uh, it's Christmas Eve and a family are settling down to sleep when uh, the father of the family is disturbed by noises is disturbed by noises on the lawn outside and he sees something quite Christmassy. Uh, now, I'm not going to tell you what it's about because it's a poem and it's very wonderful and obviously you have to go and find out for yourself but it's a lovely little Christmas uh, poem and um, it really gets you in the mood. It's such a nice little one. Lovely stuff. And uh, what is your final pick? My final pick is Tom Fletcher's 
the Christmasaurus ah. and the Winter Witch. Ah, uh, yeah, I've read this. Yes, very Christmassy indeed. It's very, very Christmassy. Now, if you've read the first Christmasaurus book, obviously you are going to love this Christmasaurus book. William is back and he's super excited about Christmas. Christmas is nearly here and he's really excited because he gets to see his friend, the Christmasaurus, and Santa's going to visit again um, and he doesn't have long to wait. And him and his dad and his dad's new girlfriend, Pamela, and his dad's girlfriend Pamela's daughter Brenda are all going on a visit to the North Pole but while they are there William and Brenda encounter the Winter Witch and William gets a bit of a glimpse of what the future could be like without Christmas which would be a disaster, Bex. It starts off actually uh, with that, like that's the, the beginning bit of the book, and I got really yes. confused when I read it. I was like, "Why? What's have I read the right book? What's happening yeah. here?" But yeah, no, it's it's a really fun book. I've read it and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what can William and Brenda do um, to stop the disaster of losing Christmas? Um, obviously, Tom's going to talk to you all about it. Yeah, and you'll find all that all about it. But it's wonderful. It's Christmassy, and it rounds up my Christmas picks for this book club lovely thank you very much Imogen thank you bye uh, next up we're going to have a chat with the author John Foley uh, well I'm joined in the studio by the author John Foley hello hello thank you so much for coming to Fun Kids oh, it's lovely to be here it's, now, it's great it's a lovely place to be and we're yeah. delighted to have you as another author to our to our ranks uh, you've written a brand new book called The Bear in the Fifth Floor Flat yes um, I've read it and it is beautiful but it is it's a heartwarming and heartbreaking tale at the same time Yes, it has a few moments of sadness, but I think almost every story needs something like that. Otherwise, it just becomes a bit bland, you know. Mary goes to the sweet shop, Mary buys some sweets, Mary shares the sweets with her friends, then they go home, they have a lovely time, and there's not much of a story there, is there? So it needs a little bit of light and shade and sometimes a bit of sadness. So in the story, you've got Ruthie, yes, who, uh, first of all, uh, has a bit of an adventure with a dog. Yes, she finds this lovely dog. Finds a lovely dog. And then uh, it's all about her family and how her, her like circumstance and her lifestyle changes. Yes. Her father gets into difficulties for one reason or another. And he, um, they, they have a very happy family life to begin with, especially after Ruth has found this dog. And then the father leaves one day. And so Ruthie's world is sort of turned upside down. And then there's a problem with the dog. I'm not going to give it away. But it's, <laughs> that's, that's very sad. I found that very sad when I was writing it. Yeah, I bet. And then because they're running out of money, Ruthie and her mother have to go and live with her Uncle Ted on the other side of the river. Because at the time the story starts, it, it's all in North London. Mm-hmm. And then they move to South London. So there's quite a change from North to South in you know moving from a house in Hampstead to a flat on in the, on the um, south side of the Thames. Uh, and Uncle Ted, who looks after them both, is a lovely character. Yeah. He's a cartoonist. He does lots of drawings. Political sometimes, so some of the drawings uh, Ruthie doesn't understand at all, and others are very funny. But um, in the flat, in, in that building, um, it's on the fifth floor. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, there's a character called Mrs. Uh, Parker Smythe, yes. who Uncle Ted says is very nosy. So to Ruthie, she becomes nosy Parker. And there's a bit of a problem whenever Ruthie meets uh, Mrs. Parker Smythe because she wants to call her Mrs. Nosy. <laughs> and then um, uh, after they've been living there a while and Ruthie has started to get used to, to living um, with her uncle and without her father, but she keeps thinking her father will come back at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, a parcel arrives from Dublin, where her father is obviously living in some way. And in the parcel is this uh, rather strange-looking bear. So she opens the, opens the parcel and finds this bear. 
which is covered with kisses, although she, she immediately thinks they look like, more like measles. So she calls him measly. And uh, this is a very special bear because her father has found the bear in a shop in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the shop owner says it's a magical bear. And so the father says, look, whatever happens, you've got to look after your mother and uh, Measley will look after the two of you. Also, it's for, uh, for Mencap, is that right? It's for Mencap, yes. Is there I, a reason that they're... Well, um, I've written a couple of books like this in the last couple of years. I always used to write non-fiction, you know, about facts, because I, I used to do a lot of radio for the World Service. Yes. And so I was either voicing stuff um, in various languages or I was writing programmes. And most of the programmes were... Um, were factual, which is much more difficult. And then I turned to fiction because it's it's so much easier. You know, you can have fun with with fiction. With facts, you've got to stick to the truth sure. as much as possible. But with with fiction, I just thought, oh, I can you know, if I come across a problem, I can just change the problem. No one's going to know. <laughs> My father had been a neurologist, a, a brain specialist, and he'd had uh, dealings with with people who had a learning disability. Mm-hmm. And Mencap has always been a, a superb. A yeah. charity, very worthwhile charity. So I gave them then the, the second book. And then when this book, when I, because uh, that was last year and then this year, I thought, well, I'll see if they like this book. I'm and sure they do. It. They do. They do. I'm sure and they it's, sell quite, do. it's selling quite nicely in their shops. You know, so. Yeah, it's, it's such a lovely book. Uh, and um, I can imagine a, a really good book as well for families to read together. Yes. When I was reading it, I, I could get the impression that like you could read it at bedtime and like mums yeah, and dads yes. could read it yes. uh, to their kids. Now, we have a little quiz that we do with all authors who come in here for the first <gasps> oh, time. It's a quick fire quiz, but it doesn't have to be quick fire. Just to get a feel for who you are as an author, if that's right. all right. Yeah. The first question is super easy. It's always pretty much the same answer. Uh, books or Kindles? Oh, books. Yes, every author says that. It's always good to check. Uh, heroes or villains? Oh, that's a bit more difficult. Mm. Oh, dear, that <laughs> is a hard one. Both. I can't know. Can I have both? Well, villains really. Okay, so, well, I'll so, give you that. Vil- so villains. villains. Uh, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Ah. Um, oh, that's a... Blimey, these are difficult. I know, right? Um, oh, f- See, this, is well, quite, uh, this has caught a lot of people out, this I, one. I've done both, so I suppose film. Well, I was going to say film because that would give you so much more scope. But these days, it's there's there's very little difference. Really. Yeah, yeah. So With the Netflix epic special Netflix, kind exactly, of thing. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you both. Uh, Thank you. Writing or reading? Oh, I keep <laughs> asking you. Um, well, oh dear, writing. I think writing. I mean, I love reading. I've always loved reading. Um, Hogwarts or Narnia? Narnia. I thought that might be. Oh dear. I figured that might be. <laughs> I made that transparent. Um, laptop or write by hand? <laughs> you do come up with some different. Um, <laughs> both. I have to do both because I write a lot in a very scrappy way. I'll write oh. write bits down here and there. For example, I go swimming every morning. I I, I go off to a studio most days and before I go to the studio. Uh, because I produce audiobooks. Before I go to the studio, I, I go swimming. And in the pool, I always get something, even if I'm not trying to think about something. So when I get out, I have to write on scraps of paper. Um, Roald Dahl or Jacqueline Wilson? Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, the classic. Bookshop visit or school tour? Right. Well, I've never done a school tour. Oh, so interesting. Bookshop, bookshop? bookshop visit, yes. Okay. Well, maybe a school tour will be on the cards. Yes. Uh, crosswords or Sudoku? Oh, crosswords, because I, I write crosswords. I heard you were a puzzle setter. I, I, I set crosswords. Uh, I can't do... Of course, my maths is just... Oh, really? Impossible. Absolutely impossible. 
My wife does it, and I don't understand it at all. She's tried to teach me, and I said, no, 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 no. Crosswords always. Are you a fan of cryptic crosswords or just um, facts? Both, and, yeah. both. But I'm, I'm more, I mean, I set crosswords. Uh, I used to set a big music crossword for a, a magazine for 15 years, and oh, now wow. I set them in French as well for magazines over there. So it's great fun. I love oh, it. Oh, my goodness. That it. is yes. amazing. Uh, do you write, oh, wait, actually, you, I was going to say you've already kind of answered this. Do you write nine to five or do you write when you fancy? But I oh, guess well, whenever it comes to you. Whenever almost. it comes to me. Yeah. If I was a, you know, if I was a really serious writer, I would do nine to five or rather six in the morning till two in the afternoon or something is what a lot of writers do. Yeah. But I'm not that disciplined. Um, at the moment, I've got about 10 stories on, on the go and I, I know I've just got to get on and finish them. But as they're you, just there waiting for you. Well, they're waiting for me and I keep going into them and um, thinking I must finish this, this lot before Christmas, but... I haven't yet. I can imagine that. Yeah, when you just know they're there. Um, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Oh, <laughs> well, actually, I mentioned both in the in the book. Um, I think I that's th- a tricky one. That is a very tricky one. Yeah. I think Winnie, actually. Winnie, okay. Well, because I grew up with Winnie. Right. Yes. Okay. Whereas Paddington is, is more recent. Still lovely. But a little bit more, yeah, Winnie's more classic. And finally, uh, the big one, uh, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, Oh. <laughs> um, gee, oh dear. Is this going to be the one that stumps you the most? It, it is. Wow. It is. My goodness me. Um, this this is a real 50-50 split, to be honest. I ask is. everybody this question. Right. It is, it's 50. So there's no wrong answer, technically. Cheese and onion. Cheese and onion. There yes. we go. I will I will allow it. I'll, <laughs> I'll you. let you have it. Uh, John Foley, thank you so much for popping by the studio. Uh, and we should say your book is out right now. Yes. Everybody should go buy it. The Bear in the Fifth Floor Flat. There we go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next up, let's have a reading from Ben Miller's brand new book from the man himself. Hector's mother clapped her hands. Thank you all for coming to celebrate our dear little angel's birthday. I'm afraid it's time for everyone to go home now, but I think we might have some very special balloons for everyone to take with them. And a party bag too. Uh, Shelley? Of course, said Shelley. One by one, Shelley gave each child a party bag and a beautiful, shiny helium balloon in the shape of a planet. There was a stripy brown and yellow Jupiter for Hector Broom and a purple Venus for Persephone Brinkwater. Charlene Wosu got a sky-blue Neptune, Marcus Down an orange Saturn with pink rings and Carl Ng a bluey-green Uranus. Katie Broad got a silvery Mercury, which was very lucky because it matched her angel costume. Finally, it was Harrison's turn. Uh, have you got a balloon for Harrison? His mother asked Shelley. Oh, yes, said Shelley. Something flickered in her eyes. I've got a very special balloon for Harrison. Just, um, just wait here one minute. She disappeared into the kitchen, closing the door behind her. There was a whizzing sound, as if something was being put in a blender. Then, bang! The kitchen door blew off its hinges, sailed across the hall, slammed against the opposite wall and clattered onto the floor. There, framed in the doorway, was Shelley. Her spacesuit was covered in soot, and all her pink hair was on end. In her right hand was a piece of string, and floating at the end of it was a weird black circle. Um, are are you okay? asked Harrison's father. Here's your balloon, Harrison, said Shelley, tying the string to his wrist. That's very kind of you, said Harrison's mother. My pleasure, said Shelley. He deserves it. Harrison reached out his hand, took hold of the string and pulled the balloon towards him. It was pitch black, 
like a piece had been cut out of the universe. He blew at it to see if it bobbed backwards like a balloon should, but instead it loomed ever so slightly closer. I, um, I, I wouldn't do that if I were you, Shelley warned. In fact, yeah, um, best not to touch it. Harrison's father gave her a quizzical look. In case it pops, said Shelley, smiling a big, innocent smile. Well, what do you say, Harrison? asked his mother. Uh, thank you, said Harrison politely. You're most welcome, Harrison, said Shelley with a glint in her eye. You're most welcome indeed. Thank you very much to Ben Miller. Next, we're going to have a little chat with Tom Fletcher about his brand new book in the Christmas Aura series. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Very good. Now, do you live in permanent Christmas? Pretty much, yeah. It's quite a confusing place to live in my house. I can imagine. Yeah, in this morning it felt weird putting on like a summery shirt and I'm going to talk about Christmas today. Because um, you have a brand new book out, The Christmas Horus, the uh, second one. I do, yeah. The sequel to The Christmas Horus, The Christmas Horus and The Winter Witch. So we're back with William Trundle. We are back with William Trundle and the whole gang. Um, he now has a slightly new family set up as well. He has a stepsister and a stepmom uh, with Brenda Payne and Pamela, um, who you might remember from the first book. Mm-hmm. And they go on an adventure. Santa shows up on the 1st of December and invites them to uh, have a tour of the North Pole. Did you miss William a little bit? Because it's been a little while since you've written about him. Did you yeah. miss him? Well, I've been working on the Christmas Horus movie, so I kind of feel like I've not actually left him. Oh, OK. Yeah, so I've kind of just been... I literally have been living in the world of the Christmas Horus permanently. It's kind of taken over my life for the last um, last few years. So a movie, we're going to come back to that. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Uh, so in this book, though, we've got William dealing with... Uh, well, Christmas is happening. Yes. He's looking into the future, he's looking into the past, he's got a new family, he's got quite a lot going on. Yeah, there's, there's quite a lot going on in his life in this book. Well, time travel has been one of the things I've loved, been fascinated with since I was a kid. I grew up loving Back to the Future. My band is called McFly after Back to the Future. And so, and Christmas and time travel are two things I've loved. And and, and also I thought in the first book, one of the things I didn't explore was how Santa travels around the world in one night. And uh, so I thought I would explore that in this book. And so on the tour of the North Pole, when William's there, he sees... All of the kind of magical things like Elfville, where the elves live, and you know the toboggan run that does the loop, the loop, and a forest full of wishes. But he also meets um, the biggest kept Christmas secret, which is the mysterious Winter Witch, who has the power to freeze and control time. And so she gives him this kind of glimpse at a future where Christmas doesn't exist, and uh, and so it then becomes about William and the Christmasaurus working together to try and save the future of Christmas. Because they've got to keep everybody believing to make sure that Santa and the elves can carry on with their jobs, right? Well, yes, because the North Pole and Santa and the reindeer and everything about Christmas only exists because children believe in it. So if children stop believing that world and, and Christmas stops to, uh, you know, ceases to exist. And um, so, yeah, it's, um, it, was, it was really fun revisiting all of the, all of the characters in the world. Because it's, it's really fun when you've created a world in the first book and then you get to go and just play with it in yeah, the second sure. one and you can just mess around with the things that people are already familiar with and writing all of the elves poems as well was that quite fun all of the stories yeah that's really fun I kind of get carried away though. those are probably the things that get edited the most oh, really? like, yeah I write like really really long ones and then they get edited down but that's you know I spent the last 16 years in a band writing songs yeah. and so it's been it's fun writing poems because a lot of them I actually write a song so they have melodies as well okay um, and then yeah I have to just kind of 
cut them out a bit. Everyone in the office is like, Tom, we like it, but like, yeah, it doesn't need 17 verses. That's exactly it, yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> right. And also you've got stuff in there, like um, the magical snowflake mm-hmm. that gives wishes. And yep. uh, well, what would you wish for if you had one of those? Oh, that's tough. Well, William kind of has this dilemma because these wishes that he meets in the forest are almost like living creatures. Mm. And he doesn't want to waste the... So when... I, I kind of saw them like, you know how a bumblebee dies after it stings you? I, I kind of compared it to that. So if, if a kid wishes, then the, kid, the wish uh, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But the wish's whole purpose, it, and it only exists to fulfill the wishes of kids. So um, I kind of feel like I'd be a bit like William and not want to make a wish and, and, uh, and see the wish disappear. He's like saving it forever. He's, I know. A, he's really lovely. Yeah. He's a bit of friends. a hoarder. A bit like me, yeah. Yeah, is, is that like you? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so, yeah. Is it a little bit of William based on your personality? Yeah, I think, well, probably, maybe more so Bob, actually. Maybe his dad is a bit more based on me. Okay. Just like obsessively, like weirdly obsessed with Christmas all year round. Yeah, I was wondering, do you have a Christmas jumper, like Bob? <laughs> Christmas jumpers. I've Excellent. got like a wardrobe full. A wardrobe, really? Yeah, like, it's actually, it's actually got ex- exploded out of my wardrobe. And I, have, I now have, like, the ones that I wear regularly in my wardrobe. <laughs> and then a bag, like a vacuum-sealed bag full of other ones. So 1st of December comes, it's like, owns oh, it. What do done. I wear today, yeah. Oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. excellent. That sounds amazing. I have one that lights up, which is quite good. Yeah, I've got, one, I've got a couple of those. I, I feel like Whatever. I'm talking to an old hand. You're like, yeah, sure, fine. I've got a Christmas Aurus one as well. Have you? best, yeah. So, yeah, tell us about the Christmas Aurus film. What's happening with that? We're working on it. I can't really tell you too much. I mean, we've been working on it since I wrote The Crisp Soros. Okay. Um, it's going to be directed by Michael Gracie, who, wrote, who directed The Greatest Showman. Great. And it's, it's looking amazing. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. All I'm writing all the music. It's a musical, so I'm writing all the music and the songs. Um, yeah, it's still a few years away. Animation takes a long time. So it's an animated movie. Um, so it'll be in another couple of years. And with these stories, do you try them out on your kids? Because they're... they're Obviously cute, like the snowflake, but also funny, like uh, Piers Snorgan, which mm. I've really, really enjoyed. And do you think William will be back very soon? In what, in another, in another, another book? book? Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe. I think so. I mean, I kind of, I never planned to write more than one, okay. but it just felt like, I think if I have the right idea, then I'll, I'd love to write another one. And this, it just felt kind of natural to, to do it, you know, when I started thinking about what book to write next. I couldn't help but be drawn back to, to the Christmas Aurus. And um, time travel was always like quite a big thing for you to... Yeah, although time travel is the hardest thing to write about. I was going to ask, it seems like it was easy to read, but I was like, I wonder if it's difficult to plan it's out. It's impossible to plan out. Yeah. It's so difficult because it, time travel obviously isn't something that we have invented yet, but it's something that uh, everyone it kind of takes as being... There are certain rules that people accept to be true about time travel yeah. that you kind of have to stick to. And it really, uh, yeah, you run into some dead ends sometimes. I can imagine. Yeah. It's like kind of just mapping everything out on a blackboard or something like that. Yeah, and I said I would never do it again, and I'm actually writing another uh, project at the moment about time travel. Now, uh, I've created a little Dino Crimbo combo quiz. Oh, okay. To see if you know more about dinosaurs or Christmas. Oh, nice, okay then. That's okay, okay. Or neither. Uh, or or night, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm very confident in you, Tom. Uh, so first, this is multiple choice, this one. Oh, great. I love multiple choice. Uh, what does dinosaur mean in its original Greek? Is it A, terrible lizard, B, big creature, or C, angry animal? Uh, I'm going to go, is it A, terrible lizard? It is A, terrible lizard. Yes, well done. Already stuck the gate. Excellent. <laughs> uh, do you know what it is illegal to eat on Christmas Day? Oh, is it illegal to eat? In what country? In the UK. There's something that's illegal to eat on Christmas Day. Is it an animal? Uh, no. <laughs> it's a very Christmassy festive food. 
that is quite surprisingly banned on Christmas Day. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Go on then, what is it? Uh, mince pies. Why? Technically, when Oliver Cromwell was around, he banned mince pies, and they were never unbanned. No way. On Christmas Day, yeah. Wow. No one's eat them. Broken the law so many times. Know, Maybe right? I am on the naughty list. <laughs> We're all illegal. Um, what is a person called who studies dinosaurs? Um, a paleontologist? Yes, excellent. Um, do you know what is the best-selling Christmas song ever in the whole world? Uh, White Christmas. Yes, it is. I think it's the biggest-selling song. Is it? Of all time, yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe you've done more research than I have. Yeah, I think you're fine, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, okay. How long uh, do scientists think that dinosaurs lived for? Mm. Is it 160 million years, 2.5 million years, or 10 years? Oh. Uh, 160 million years? Yes, it is. 160 mm. million years. And uh, finally, can you give me two other names for Santa Claus? Uh, Saint Nick and Father Christmas. Yep, excellent, great. Uh, you passed with, obviously, uh, Christmas jumper flying colours. Thank you. Um, you got, uh, I think you're more of a dinosaur person than a Christmas person, but I think it was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I was actually quite nervous. My heart was going then throughout. Thank you. you got an I'm qualified to write this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finally, my very scientific way of testing you. Yeah, thanks. That's come true. Uh, so, Tom, thank you so much. We should say everybody needs to go and get the Christmas Aurus and the Winter Witch. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Merry Christmas, everyone. Fantastic. Thank you very much to Tom Fletcher. Now it's time to give you the answer to my Gruffalo question. The question was, how many words are there in the Gruffalo? Turns out, did you know, there are roughly, give or take, but pretty much 700 words in the Gruffalo. No more, no less. There you go. If you got the answer right, well done. Give yourself a pat on the back. That's pretty much it from me today in this podcast. But don't you worry, we've got a very special Christmassy end of the year edition coming out on Christmas Day with all of the best bits from 2019. Remember, if you like the podcast, to rate, review and subscribe. Tell all your friends about it. Go and read a book and I'll see you soon. Bye. So that was a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!